Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I have with me Sophie Hamilton. She owns the Bedford Bar in Keynes, Queensland, Australia, right off the Great Barrier Reef. She's been a mentor with Mobile Bed Pros since day one. She's also the, one of the most if not the most prolific blog contributor on the Mobile Bed Pros blog. And uh, she's here today. We're going to talk about bar builds, which I know everyone here loves to hear, but also we're going to talk about trends in Australia. Because one thing that I've noticed over, over the years is that when things happen in Australia, they tend to trickle over to the United States, either a season or two behind. So Sophie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I always love talking to you. And I actually, we've talked on the phone, but I don't think we've ever actually... No, I don't think we have. <laughs> no, that's all, this is awesome. This is really a, a treat for me and, and also the listeners. So Australia's had a big year, just like the rest of us, I think, in 2020. I don't know what's going to happen next, but you guys had fires to start it all off. Did that, yeah. did that affect you guys? No, where we are up here, we're in the wet tropics area. So it's it rains a lot. There's a lot of rainforest and we don't get that many fires. So it didn't actually affect us at all, but I know it affected a lot of the rest of the country. So yeah, we've had a big year. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good that you guys didn't get any of the, any of the fires because we did actually support one of the other members uh, with a little bit of a fundraiser for her community. And yeah. uh, we have a number of Australian, but it's, it's hard for us to, to know over on the side of the world how big Australia is. So it's kind of like when you yeah. go abroad and people are like, oh, I know somebody from Tennessee. You might know her. It's like, I know I probably Yeah, <laughs> people say that to me all the time. I know someone in Queensland and I'm like, it's a huge state. You, I don't want to know them. <laughs> Chances are, I don't know, but you never, yeah, it's never know. <laughs> uh, but you have one of the first, I, I mean, I'm, everyone loves to claim that they're the first, right? Even if, even if they don't know for sure that they are, but you have one of the first bar trucks in the mobile bar industry. Yeah, I think actually technically we were second, but you okay. know nobody's really counting who was first, are they? So not at all. One <laughs> um, of the first, but you yeah, are one of the, you're one of the OG me. bar tracks. Yeah, yeah there's, there's still not that many actually. I know, but yeah, we're one of the originals. So. Yeah, you've been an inspiration for many, many mobile bars that have come to kind of sprout up over over the years, and you have. This is what your fifth, sixth season. This will be our sixth season, I think. Yeah, that's exciting. So, yeah. yeah, I know. The first one was almost a bit of a a quiet one. And I think this sure. one probably will be too. But yeah, our sixth season. So I think we're beginning to know what we're doing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And you guys are entering the winter season. So it would have been a little slow yeah. now for you anyways. But you probably missed out on your fall, which probably is a big wedding season. For you. Yeah, so for us, the wedding season runs from June really till the no be beginning of November. Sometimes sure. May, depending. So we're really just coming into it what would be our busy season now. Um, oh. We're all hoping, I think, to still get the tail end. The restrictions for COVID in Australia 
are showing weddings over 100 in July. So we're hoping that, I mean, at most of my weddings for July, August, September have postponed, but I've still got lots in October. So I'm hoping that we might still get some of a season. Definitely. (laughs) I think we're all kind of crossing our fingers for the same thing. For us, it was was very much like, you're not going to do weddings at all. Don't even think about it this summer. And then suddenly everyone's like, okay, we're open. We're open. We can do that now. Yeah. So we were all kind of taken taken up. I think even the brides and groups were like, what? Can we have a wedding? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit like that here. People have, that I thought we're definitely postponing in September and now like, well, do we have to? I guess we don't, but do we want to? We don't know. Because they've yeah. sort of written it off in their mind. Right. They've phoned it in their minds till next year. But So yeah. one of the things that people like ourselves, the mobile bar owners that have all of this kind of unexpected COVID time off are doing are building more bars. And so yeah. this, I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about building. We, I mean, we did a previous episode on horse trailers, which was lovely, but there are lots of other types of bars that we can talk about building. And, and you have a bar truck, which is awesome. Yeah, we actually have been using this time off to build another one as well. So we are in the same boat. Yeah, we've actually, we've been, we've had this truck since like 26. 17 or something and it's just sat in the shed without wheels on for a really long time (laughs) (laughs) I I have um, three rigs currently that are waiting to be renovated so I get it (laughs) yeah well um my father-in-law does all uh mechanics and so it's yeah it's very handy but you also can't rush him so yeah so we've also been building another one and this one is going to be completely different to the first one we built and I think a lot of that is through the trends just changing here yeah um, so talk, let's one, talk about that the second one we're building so the original one is quite rustic even though like it's got you know elements of class about it it's got a really great paint job it's got some really classy bits and pieces on it so it's not like an old farm truck kind of thing this one we're doing out really luxe so it's going to be black it's going to have like a really dark timber on it and probably lots of shiny and all that sort of stuff so I'm Seeing a lot of the bars here are really moving away from like their rustic wedding-y feel and really going luxe this year. And I've already booked it for next year on a whole heap of events for people who are looking for exactly that. So, And how did you do that? Did you have a rendering of it or did you just describe it to them? I uh, literally just described it as being like the current one, but black, a little bit glossier, a little bit more luxe. And people are just like, yeah, let's book that straight away. With, nice. For some reason, we've got a lot of monochrome weddings coming up and they all want this black truck. So that's not something I've really had much to do with before. I don't think I've ever no. done a monochrome wedding. <laughs> no, and I think I don't think that we've seen that trend at all here, monochrome-wise. So yeah. are, we, are we thinking like black and white, that, that kind of monochrome? Yeah, I think it's sort of, it's going to be a lot of white, but really high-end accents. So maybe lots of gold. Definitely both the brides that I've spoken to directly about it. We're talking about those ghost chairs. Have you seen those? The yeah. clear perspex ones. And they're both yeah. like obsessed with those. So, um, and, you know, <laughs> black tables, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's where this is tr- this truck's going for its first event. That's awesome. Um, and, yeah. and so what does the renovation process for you look like? The first stage for us is always doing the body. So the truck cab itself, because we 
the most important thing for us is to make it look really high end because I think you risk with trucks taking them into an event and them looking like an old farm truck that their dad just rocked up with. And we don't want ours to look like that. That's fine if you do want yours to look like that, but we don't. We wanted ours to be the centerpiece that really brings the wedding to the next level, I guess. So we always spend a lot of time preparing the truck, body, painting. It's been in the paint shop for like four months. So that's how long it takes. (laughs) (laughs) And then the build out for us is pretty easy because my husband's a carpenter. So working with wood is what he does. Yeah. That's what we consider the easy part of the build. Okay. So if the cab itself is the easy part, what comes next? <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. The cab, the cab's usually harder and the sort of oh, okay. bar on the back is the easy part. So um, once we've got the, obviously when you go with a truck, the really the hardest part is getting it running well and being mm-hmm. reliable and having brakes that work and a gearbox that doesn't make it drive like a 1950s truck, even though that's what it is. Right. And finding the parts is always a nightmare. So really getting them running smoothly, well, reliably is always the hardest part of working with a truck. And what what year and model is this next truck of yours? This is a 1954 Bedford A2. So it's smaller uh-huh. than our current one and older, which is maybe not a good idea, but we'll see. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the older you go, the more problems you have. So perhaps in some ways, I found that the some of some of the older vehicles actually are a little bit easier and I don't work on them myself, but it's a little bit easier to find people who know how to work on them than some of the newer ones because yeah, maybe. back then they were a little bit more, the people were supposed to work on them themselves back then. Yeah. Now it's like That's every, right. the computer runs everything. <laughs> yeah. You, you're probably right about that. Yeah. <laughs> but still it's, um, it can be really hard. We can't find anybody in our city that makes the right brake shoes because it's like mm-hmm. an old vintage style and they don't sell the right glue anymore. And so just like little weird bits and pieces that you would honestly never think about writing into your business plan or understanding, but absolutely, that's what happens. <laughs> and so do you drive your trucks on, on site? Yeah, we do. We drive, we've driven and we will drive them everywhere they go, which adds that extra little bit of um, adrenaline to your day. We did a wedding last <laughs> year where the brakes got stuck on and um, my husband had to stop five or six times between the our house and the wedding to release handbrake fluid he came back with all the hairs burnt off his hands from touching the hot oh. brakes and stuff like it was, it was a bit of a nightmare <laughs> every single truck is so big we can't really float it so right. yeah this is this is when you start a business without any advice from anybody so I'm, I'm pretty sure Which is the probably the vast... to this, this will be perfect. <laughs> I was going to say, the vast majority of our members are people who decide that this is a really good idea <laughs> before yeah. they've asked anyone about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that now that we're in it, we're still in it, right? Like we're still doing it for some reason. And uh... <laughs> yeah. no, it, there's, there's definitely good parts, but we have lived and learned and the second truck is smaller. So hopefully we won't need like a prime mover truck if it ever breaks down, it's really expensive to borrow. A hundred percent, for sure. And so how much smaller is the ne- uh, the second one? Well, the current one is a five-ton truck, so that's its carrying capacity. And this one is a two-ton 
ton truck. But because it's older, it's generally shorter and it's more of the size of what in Australia we would call a ute, but I guess you probably call like a pickup. Yeah. But more that Absolutely. kind of, more like a car really than a truck truck. So Yeah. So for listeners who, who haven't already kind of looked up the Bedford bar on Instagram, you should, because it is their first truck is, it's a beast. It's, yeah. it's a big, <laughs> it's a big boy for sure, but beautiful. And obviously still after five going into six seasons, getting the job done, which is awesome. And so what are you going to do with the back of it? Are you going to do very much the same way that you did with the original? Yeah, very much the same sort of setup. I mean, we're obviously tweaking minor things that as we've worked with our truck and taken it to events, we've realized that stuff, that's in a stupid place. We don't like that. That doesn't work, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to, there are going to be changes. We're putting in a lot more taps on this one because we're noticing that people are just requesting tap beer flat out. We get more requests for tap beer. And we're lucky in Cairns because we have some really great local breweries that are cheaper and are fantastic quality. So it makes people want to use tap beer. So we're adding yeah. more taps because we only have two at the moment and two is not enough. No, if you look at that giant truck and you're like, oh, two taps. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those things where we were building it and I was like, do we need that? And my husband was like, yeah, we do. So we compromised and just did two. But now I obviously would be putting four at least in the second one. Yeah. So. And my, my tap truck has six, I think, which is yeah. kind of, I think it's nice because you can get a red, a white, a couple beers and two cocktails, which is kind of a nice mm. mix. Yeah, I'm not sure about wine here. I don't know if we'd be able to get kegged wine up here. And and again, for anyone that's listening, that's very state-specific because there are some states that really struggle to get wine in kegs. Tennessee apparently is not one of them. We have a, a nice large selection of, of wines that you can get in kegs. But if you mm. are thinking about doing a tap vehicle, please do your research ahead of time. I can not even count how many times I've gotten calls from people that are like, I have this Piaggio Ape that I had built and now I can't find Prosecco on tap or I can't find whatever mm. on tap. It's like, I'm sorry. I can't, I mean, I can point you in the direction that you can ask, but if you can't find it, chances are it's a distributor issue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think here you have to have it shipped in from some of the Southern states and someone will probably tell me I'm wrong and that's fine. But yeah, I, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> totally. Beer is so much easier. <laughs> And you guys drink a lot of it over there. I love uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually Australian. I'm English. So um, yeah, the Australians love beer. They like, do. I mean, I was, I was talking with, as we were discussing earlier, I was talking with Lulu, who's also in Australia. And she told me that their calculation for consumption is two drinks per hour per guest, which is our, in, over here in the, in the States, at least in Tennessee, that's our heavy that's like if someone is a heavy drinker, that's what, yeah. what you would use. <laughs> that's exactly what I would use here in, in Cairns as well. So, yep, spot on. And you guys, and you guys party longer. Like our yeah, average event here is four hours and you guys just, you're like six, eight hour average event time. Yeah, so I would, it's really rare that we do an event that's shorter than six hours. And uh, we've done ones that, we've done a 10 hour event I don't recommend, but you know, <laughs> it actually all ended up fine. And I think people, when they know they're going to be there for a long time, they actually pace themselves a little bit better anyway. 
and smashing it all in four hours. So, um, but yeah, they do. They party a lot longer here and drink a lot. I love it. You guys are definitely my people. I must, yeah. I must uh, <laughs> check out, <laughs> attend a wedding in Australia. Yeah. So you've built a bar about six years ago. You're building your second bar now. What What is like the top two to three things that you would tell someone who might be just building their first bar now? I would probably tell them to not underestimate the time commitment and the work involved in running a mobile bar. I think lots of people think, oh, it's fine. Like you just rock up on the day, serve some drinks. And I will say that we were in that boat too. We thought it would be really easy. And it is. It's it's great. It's so much fun. And after a few events, it is. it does get easier, of course. But I think there's a lot of preparation and a lot of talking to your clients all the time about everything to make sure it's perfect. And I think people underestimate what they're getting into. And I see a lot of bars for sale. And so I think, well, I personally think that that might be because people don't realize what they're getting themselves into. How much work it is, for sure. It's a a ton of work. It is. And it's physical as well. And it's long hours and late and early starts, late mornings. We did some back-to-back events where we had two and a half hours sleep in between because we had a late one and a lot of travel and then an early start. And although that's probably unusual, it does happen and people just, I think, aren't prepared. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And especially in the early days, I think that's actually really important to, to kind of point out. In the early days, you kind of take everything. You say yeah. yes to everything because one, you need the money. Two, it's a great opportunity. Three, you have no idea. Right. Yeah. So and that's I've, exactly how we got in that situation. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. I've been there. I literally came back from an event, washed the dishes, sanitized the coolers, and rolled out super early the next morning to go set up for like a, a breakfast slash brunch event the next mm. day. And uh vowed never ever to do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, yeah, right. I think as well, I would tell people to not skimp on their rigs if they can spend the money and not cut corners on stuff because otherwise you just end up with you know things that don't work and broken stuff and thing and bars get they're not always treated delicately mm-hmm. in the middle of your like slinging welcome drinks. There's going to be bottles slushed around and there's going to be water everywhere, and I think you just need to. Spend the money wisely, and yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, make we we skimped we skimped on the paint job on our first bar, and it has not held up the test of time. So that's why our second one has been going in in the paint shop for so long. And yeah, you know, we've made lots of other mistakes, but <laughs> <laughs> that could be a book in and of itself. Uh, the mistakes we've made with our mobile bar businesses, for sure. Yeah, pretty much. And um, yeah. I really think that. Anything else? Maybe just outsourcing stuff where you can. When you're starting off in business, it's really tempting to take on everything yourself because you, oh, I don't, I don't want to spend all the money. I don't want to. Uh, this is my business. I want to do it. I am the main culprit of this. But I think some things, some things you just have to say. You know what? I'm terrible at this. It takes me so much time. It saves me so much worry if I just outsource it to somebody else. So the first thing I, the first thing I outsourced was social media because Mm -hmm. I hate it. You 
that's what you do for a living. That's your day job, right? You yeah, do marketing and yeah. So, so what would you have outsourced? My accounting. Oh, perfect. Um, because I hate bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> and it was always the last thing I did. And I would always feel really disorganized. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't even know where we are in this business because I haven't done that bookkeeping. I hate it. So I'm not going to do it now. Totally. And this is my plug for anybody and everybody. I literally was the executive director of finance for five multi-million dollar restaurants for five years. I did all of their books. I closed everything. I know how to keep books. But as an entrepreneur... Who has time for that, right? So if I'm looking mm-hmm. at my business and I'm waiting to close the books every month, that's a retroactive view of where you are. And so profit first. I know everyone has heard me say it a million times. So if he's smiling, because she, she's like, yeah, 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 Sarah, we've heard this before. Yes, you do now. But it allows you to see kind of in real time where you are with what you have to spend for ops, what you have for for all the things that you need, right? And so as someone who literally spent five years being that accountant slash bookkeeper for five multi-million dollar businesses that would wait for my numbers to come out by the 10th of the month when I closed the books to make decisions, had I been practicing profit first or had they been practicing profit first then, they would have been so much more nimble and able to make decisions as to whether or not they had the cash to, to do certain things way sooner than waiting for the books to close. So yes, outsource your accounting because that stuff is noise. <laughs> like nobody has time for that. You as a business owner can be doing much better and much more important things with your life than keeping the books. But also if you're practicing profit first, you don't need to wait for your books to close to know where you are. No, and how great has profit first been during... COVID-19 as well, to look in those accounts and see, oh, yes, I can afford to pay us. It has saved my business. I don't know about your Sophie, but it has saved my business. So important as well. And what peace of mind to just at the start of all of this, I was like, all right, I'll just log in and see what I got to spend. Where? Exactly. Exactly. And yes, there was a little bit of shuffling of money around because I'm like, okay, well, I I need more in my ops account right now because I'm paying rent and I'm not making any money. Right. So some of these other, the profit account, sorry, that's going into the ops account because I can't spend profits if I'm literally having to pay rent, but the money is there. Right. So yeah. So anyone listening who hasn't read the book, Profit Purse, or listen to me preach about it until this very moment, investigate it because it is an important part of building a sustainable and resilient business, especially with a questionable economy. Um, So that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Sophie. I I also, even though I know how to do my own bookkeeping, I am not a fan of, of that. Do you take a certain number of events every year or, or like, cause I know there are certain bars that cap out the number of weddings that they do per year. They're just like, I'm going to take this amount because you also have a full-time job. So. Yeah, we have not. Although this year I felt like so far we've never come to the point where we felt like we needed to cap it. We've come pretty close this year at the start of the year. I, we did have a conversation about capping events and I think next year we will. And especially with having a second bar, if we just double book it every weekend, two trucks, we've actually got a little bike bar as well. So there's in theory a possibility of having three bars out. If we have three bars out every weekend, we can't do that. That's insane. Yeah. Not with two full-time jobs and a kid. (laughs) 
Right. And one thing I love about the way that you run your business is that you guys love your jobs. It's not like you're looking to leave those jobs anytime soon. You run the Bedford Bar as kind of like a, not necessarily a side hustle, but it's it's a thing that you guys love. It's a thing that you do seasonally, but it's not like you guys are hungry to like quit your jobs and do it full time. No, we both love our jobs. So um, it's it's made it hard actually, because we have had to have the conversation of, well, which do we love more? Like, which is most important to us. And of course, the bar always comes out on top. That is the most important to us, but we both love our jobs. So which is, I, think like lovely. <laughs> I actually yeah. really love that because a lot of people are like, no, I want to make this my full-time job. And how do I, how do I make the, enough money doing this? And what you demonstrate is you're six seasons in, it's entirely possible to still have a job and work full-time and have your mobile bar as for, for lack of a better term, a side hustle and have all the things be harmonious and successful. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's taken a little bit of balance for sure. And there are certainly weekends where we're like, oh, this balance is out of the window. <laughs> but um, it's okay. <laughs> you do get better at it. And I think it's taken the pressure off us as well. We've never had to feel like we need to get more events for the bar because if we don't, then it's fine takes the pressure off earning a certain amount through the bar to keep us going. And as well, yeah. it's been no pressure thanks to COVID-19 because it doesn't matter to us if we run a season or not, really, apart from the fact right. that we missed it. But right. Right. Well, that's, the, that's the, so, the social aspect I think we all miss is yeah. being able to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course we miss being behind the bar and of course we'd rather be at weddings, but right. it takes the pressure off. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So you had uh, mentioned when we emailed a little bit beforehand that um, you were keen to talk about some of the trends that you're seeing in Australia as well. Yeah. What are some of those trends that you are seeing over in Australia that we might in the United States kind of start to see soon? Well, we mostly do weddings. So they really are jam and we go to a lot. But there are some trends that I'm seeing emerging. We were just talking before about naked teepees, which just the number one thing here at the moment. And I know you guys have normal teepees. A naked teepee is basically a teepee without the canvas on the outside. So it's just the timber structure on the inside. And people cover them in lights and put little grazing tables underneath and lounge areas. And they are beautiful. And they add a nice big feature to the wedding. I love them. I think they're great, but they are everywhere this season. That's awesome. We yeah. have we actually have a place or a, a it's a, another mobile bar company, but they also have other rentals and they do the naked teepees. Although I didn't know that's what they were called. So it really, yeah. uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. You're like, you have naked teepees. I'm like, I don't really know what that means, but I, fun. it sounds lovely. <laughs> I mean. Maybe we'll get those. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that you're right. That those we've only I've only seen it a couple times, and and only in really high end weddings. Um, so one of the things that we have started to see more of that you guys have had for a long time are those beautiful canvas tents. They're almost like the the bell tents that they have lights inside. It almost glows at night. Yeah, so not like fairy tents. I think they yeah. might. They're sort of like a stretch tent. Um, yes. Yeah, they're massive this year as well. We don't have any up in Cairns, but I have a couple of brides who are getting them shipped from Brisbane to use in their weddings in Cairns. Now that's a 14-hour drive so that somebody is trucking this tent 
I can't imagine the expense associated with that, but that's how keen people are to have them. So they're another trend that's going off this year. <laughs> we we have exactly one rental company here in Nashville that has one. And I did a wedding with it last year and it was just so pretty. It just glowed at night. It's yeah, so pretty. beautiful. So um, I'm really hoping for more of those because I love them, but um, we don't do I mean, any weddings under tents here because um, our, wedding, our weather's pretty fantastic. So don't use Yeah, but it has to rain, right? Like what, what is the rain plan for a wedding? If there's yeah, no we have a wet season and a dry season and um, it doesn't usually rain in the dry season and the dry season happens to be during wedding season. So there's, there'll be the odd one. Okay. But we've done in all those years probably three weddings where it's rained. Wow. So it's not, it's not like temperate climates here. It's, it's, very, yeah. it's very seasonal. That's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so na- naked tents or naked teepees, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, naked teepees are massive. The other thing which I've noticed, which I, I mean it's an ongoing trend and it's going to I only think become more important is the amount of brides that I have that contact me and want to talk about eco options and like what we can, what are, what what are we doing as a business, how we can make their wedding as waste free as possible or zero waste some weddings. And when we started out, this wasn't something that anyone ever really asked us, but now it's something that probably eighty percent of the brides are asking me about, and they. They really care. And a lot of them are booking us based on that. So we only use glassware. We have a glass washer on board. We don't use any single-use plastics. And I think that it's just something that's going to become more important. Yes, I I agree. And I've always loved that you guys have always, from the beginning, had a glass washer. We call it a dishwasher. But, um, I mean, your truck is big enough, certainly, to accommodate it. How much water do you have to carry on that thing to operate that? We actually don't carry any water. We just require a somewhere for a hose, and oh. um, we're yet to. We do have like it's set up that we can, we can just attach, what external water if we want to, but we haven't had to do that ever. We do a lot of really? outside venues, yeah, and it's usually not a problem. I think it's a bit of an Australian way of life to, you have know, a hose. Have all, yeah, have they're big <laughs> into gardening and outdoor spaces and that kind of stuff. So you know, water outside isn't a unusual thing. But, oh, so we never awesome. have a problem. And we only need cold water as well. Our dishwasher has an in, in, internal heating element, so um, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And okay. well, in COVID-19 times, it's sanitizing too, which is pretty great. <laughs> does it sanitize with heat or does it sanitize with chemicals? I can do both. Okay. But it, um, it's sanitized. I can't remember what temperature it goes up to, but it goes up to hot. So, hot very hot yeah awesome. very hot um <laughs> so you know, that's handy to know we're just trying to work out how we can do our weddings in the upcoming month safely and as hygienically as humanly possible and the glass wash has been a big part of our consideration so yeah so that's a good point because i know for example here there a lot of people are requiring the transition to single-use plastic from yeah. glassware we're not sure. It's not been talked about yet here. Um, we don't know if that's what we're going to have to do. We don't know if we're going to have to be using single use or not. But we have conditions in place there for both. I'm hoping so, we can still use our glassware. 
because we feel really strongly against single use. So, Yeah. And do you guys have a lot better options than I think we have access to here for biodegradable plasticware? Yeah. We do have which some really is, great options, which is what we will be using if we have to use single use. We'll be using yeah. biodegradable stuff. But again, I'd rather not if we don't have to. Yeah. Totally. When, when I was talking to Lulu, she mentioned that you guys have some glassware, not glassware, some disposable ware that apparently composts even without a commercial composting facility. You can just yeah. throw it out in your garden and within like three months, it'll disintegrate. We do not, to my knowledge, have that here, which yeah. I'm a little sad about because everything we that do you have we, that option. Yeah. But everything here. <laughs> I was thinking about how you go ahead and compost like hundreds and hundreds of cups at your house. (laughs) I don't think you do. I think that the joy there is that you can throw it in the garbage. It'll compost in the waste receptacle without any intervention. Well, that's what I was thinking as well. But we home compost here. So I was like, oh, I wonder if we could even home compost (laughs) all those cups. And then I was like, no, that is too many cups. Well, Maybe follow Lulu because she told me she had placed about nine or 10 of them in her yard to see if they composted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll let I'll you know. speak to her and let her find out if they did. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, so the jury's out, but I'm awaiting the verdict on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we won't have to use them, but there are good options. And I just think that that's the way that it's going. And I think as well, if you wait until your clients are coming to you and saying, look, I need eco options, and you're like scrambling to try and work out what you can do, I just feel like then it's too late. We should be the ones leading the charge in our businesses and trying to make them as environmentally friendly as we can. Yep, I agree. And and I, I'm only disheartened by the lack of recycling where my current, mm-hmm. uh, in my city, the venues. They, for the most part, don't recycle glass and don't recycle aluminum yeah. in almost any any of the venues, which is a real sad because we we're we're selling beer and wine bottles yeah. and cans, and uh, then when it comes to composting, literally nobody does that. But a lot of our waste is food waste, so that could also be. Yeah, we actually bring a lot of our waste home with us if venues aren't doing it because we feel really passionately about cycling. <laughs> With those fun eco awesome. types. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And but in yeah, that case, same thing I, if any's here though to a to an extent. Yeah, which is too bad. Because I feel yeah. like we're better than that. At Definitely. This point. Events are so wasteful. Uh, just unbelievably so, which I feel like is why in our sort of line of business we really do need to be being proactive about what we can do. Because otherwise it's one day that creates just an astonishing amount of waste. And I think that's another reason why I find so many of my couples going to um, tap beer now as well. Yeah. Which is yeah, Absolutely. There's a heck of a lot less waste with kegs across the board. So whether it's wine, beer, cider, White Claw, whatever. (laughs) I don't know what that is, but. (laughs) Wait, what? You don't know what White Claw is? No. What is it? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Every, every single generation z white girl just lost yeah i don't even know it lost because i'm not that hip but anyways it's a hard seltzer do you guys have that over over there no there you go maybe we'll have some trends coming the other way hey look look at that we're trading trends 
yeah, so they they basically took vodka and soda, they flavored it with some I don't know essential oil or something, and and then they put it in a can and they gave it a, a fancy name and yeah, White right. Claw, truly, and especially the the party girls the. I don't even know what to say. They love that stuff. I I know who you mean. They're their vodka lime soda <laughs> drinkers here. It's the same one. <laughs> what do they drink? Vodka lime soda, always. But yeah, yeah. Tell them a mile away. She'll be a vodka lime soda girl for sure. A hundred percent. Well, now they've canned it, and so that yeah, you can right. just like keep it in the cooler with the beer and crack it open. <laughs> and they also keg it now. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. <laughs> I can't believe that they haven't they haven't reached your shores yet. Yeah, well, that's funny. Be ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what other trends can we expect to see from from the shores of Australia? I'm like noticing a lot of a lot. I'm noticing a lot of things at the moment with dried botanicals. They are everywhere, and not just like flowers, like huge installations. So like things the size of a dinner table hanging from the roof and that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we, we do have a couple of local forests that are close to us here that sort of specialize in that. So probably I see it a little bit more than in other places, but people just making archways just out of flowers or two pillars instead of a whole arch for their ceremony, which I'm excited about because they look amazing, which is oh, a good start. Awesome. Yeah, lots of, <laughs> lots of big, dried, like really big things, um, which I love. So I'm noticing yeah, I think, a lot of them. I think Lulu actually mentioned that too, the yeah, dried. They're, they're massive here. And actually we just got some for our little bar bike, quite a big thing for that, um, out of dry botanicals, which we're really excited about. Just jump in on the trend there, um, as you have to. Yeah. And it goes along really well with like the, the naked teepees and the, I don't know if, Rattan furniture is like the only thing that I'm seeing this year at every single yeah. event. Everybody loves rattan furniture. And but you guys are close to the beach, right? And so you're going to see all of that boho stuff. Yeah, although I'm noticing a lot less what I would call like the real boho, crummy and, and that sort of stuff. I'm noticing a lot less of that and more, I guess it's more like high-end boho. Essentially. Yeah, okay. So that we're we're luxing the boho now. Yeah, it's it definitely looks more expensive. The the rustic-y boho, you know, low tables, pattern cushions, that kind of thing. That we saw maybe 2017, 18, that was massive here. And I, I did kind of love it actually. But um yeah, it seems to be going and everybody's like white rattan, white dried florals, big naked teepees. Alright. I kind of love that too though, so I mean, there's a reason we do weddings. Yeah. We kind of love it. Oh, there's styles. And my husband laughs at me because whenever we get to a wedding, I'm like, I've got to find the flowers. I've got to see those flowers. What are the flowers like? <laughs> and you guys have amazing flowers there. I mean, yeah. we get a lot of good flowers here too, but you guys just, you have so much more access to like fresh, tropical, gorgeous florals. Yeah. Although, you know, I barely see any tropical which surprises me because we are right in the middle of the tropics here. Tropical is what we do. But I think maybe tropical is not in at the moment. And so people, what do you see? Um, a lot of stuff from, like, they ship a lot of flowers in from the southern states here, from New South Wales and, and Victoria. 
because during our winter in Cairns, we actually don't have that many flowers. And you get the like the ginger and the um, birds of paradise and that sort of flower. It's a little late for frangipanis and that kind of thing. And orchids are unpredictable, but um, we just don't see, I see a lot of greenery at weddings. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that many tropical flowers. And actually I've, I'm really not seeing as much greenery as I used to. Interesting. <laughs> we see a lot of greenery here. That's like, yeah, okay. some weddings are just like all green, uh, which is nice because it's super flexible, right? You can do yeah. greenery white wall. You can do it as a, like a table runner. You can do it pretty much anywhere and it just dresses something yeah. otherwise up a little bit. I think maybe we don't see it so much here because all of our venues, pretty much all of our venues are outside. And it's very naturally green here. We've got venues in the rainforest and venues in bamboo groves and cane fields and all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of natural greenery around, which is maybe why people are going the more like white botanical dried route to make it seem a little bit different. Or maybe we're all just over tropical because that's what we do here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of love that stuff. Um, On the... On the food front, which I always think is very important, you can Mm -hmm. really set the wedding tone with the food. I've been seeing a lot more interactive food, like the grazing stations here were massive and they still are massive. And they're great. They're such a good option. One thing which I've been noticing, which I find really interesting in the mobile bar industry is a lot of bars using grazing stations as an add-on. Yes. Which is kind of clever because in Queensland, certainly, you're only able to get an off-site um, liquor license if you're providing food mm-hmm, that you have here. made yourself. So um, most of us aren't chefs or caterers, but we could probably throw together a pretty good grazing table, which I love. I think that's a really great way to pivot and add on. Absolutely. I'm interested in your take in this new post-COVID world that we're in. Grazing tables seem most unsanitary. Oh, they do. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Do we think this is the death of the grazing table or do we feel like people are just going to keep doing it? I feel like it's going to be like we'll see a shift, certainly. But I think it's, it's just too entrenched here. People just love them too much. And I just can't see them just going away completely. But it sort of brings it on nicely to where I was, what I was going to say is I'm lo- noticing as well as the grazing tables, a lot of interactive food stations that involve the caterer. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, the caterer cooking directly for, to order sort of stuff. Right, right. I think it might be a really great way to keep it sanitary because, mm-hmm. you know, they're just cooking to order, but sort of keep that, you know, how it gives you a lovely casual vibe to walk around and select your food and that sort of thing. It's a nice yeah, it's a great alternative to the standard buffet for sure, right? You just go yeah. to the well, station. Surely buffets this year aren't going to be very sanitary either. No. No? <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I think there'll be much more table service or what I'm seeing is food trucks because food trucks are almost like that experiential uh, yeah. station you can go up to the food truck you can order your food you can go away you can go sit at a table or something so it, and it goes very well with the mobile bar kind of theme it does so the people who are 
hiring us are also hiring food trucks to do to do food. So we've never really done very many food truck weddings here, and I'm not sure why because we have some really great food trucks in our local area. We've done a few. We've not done very many, and I love them. I want more. But. Me too. <laughs> Especially if I if I pull up to a wedding and they have a taco truck, it's like game on. Yes. Yeah. These are my people. <laughs> yeah. We have a really great arancini ball here, one here. So, um, yeah, when they're there, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> totally. And we have dessert trucks too, which is nice. We have like a s'more truck. Wow. Uh, and we have, a, we have a pie truck. So like if I pull up at a wedding and the pie truck is there, I am, yes, very <laughs> happy. have that level of dessert, but <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. So It's because you guys are filling up on beer because you're drinking oh, so much yeah. beer and you don't, you don't yeah. save room. <laughs> and too many grazing tables are filling up on cheese before the main course. Totally. But I, I will always be on board with, I, literally, I think if I had to go to a deserted island and there was like, you have to choose one food to eat forever. It may be cheese, like the, a, a cheese, a grazing plate, right? Cheese and charcuterie, like to that, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, okay it, it works for me too. I'm happy as well. But um, we have some good deals with some of the caterers that bring us a little one too. So that's always nice. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. Yeah, I yeah. think here, it's cut, not everywhere. I can't speak for everyone, but here in Nashville, they're very good. The caterers are usually very good about feeding the bartenders. They are here is- as well. We, I mean, maybe because we're in a small regional place, we know everybody, so it makes it easier, but we always get fed. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is lovely. It's another perk of, of this Definitely. industry that we're in. <laughs> I have a bartender who was like, I literally only come here to eat dinner on my own. She's got kids. And she was like, it's my quietest <laughs> evening of the week. <laughs> oh, She's been I, with us for five years. So it's obviously working oh out God. well. <laughs> it's working out well for her. I, I know that my husband and I, we started the business obviously together. Like many of them, many of us mobile bar owners do. We started it with our, with our husbands or vice versa. But now he's got like his own big boy job. And uh, every once in a while, I'll rope him into doing an event with me, mainly because it's like date night. (laughs) There are no children to interrupt us. Even though we're serving all night, there's also always those lulls where we're like, oh my God, there's like uninterrupted time to talk to you. (laughs) I know. We did a wedding last year where we drove the truck um, an hour up the road, just the two of us. And my daughter was at grandma's. And we were like, God, this is fantastic. Like, why do I do this every weekend? Just tend to going to a wedding and take the truck out for a drive for some peace and quiet. It's <laughs> lovely. Yeah, it was nice. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another time soon. I know. The joys of running a business uh, yeah. with your partner, for sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering what else there was that I had to mention. Oh, another thing is that massive that is massive at the moment is neons. But I think you guys have already got that a little bit there. We we are seeing that just start. I saw, I had exactly one wedding last season with it. It was towards the end of the season. It was on this giant wall that they kind of plastered with greenery. And I don't remember what the neon sign said, um, but they were, they were a fun couple. Yeah. And uh, not, not that all my couples aren't fun but they were like a little bit extra. Like they actually put a decal on our bar that said hot Carl or something like that. It was an inside joke. They Nobody understood it, but the bride and groom, and they didn't give a flying F. They're like, <laughs> we get it. That's all that matters. And so people would come and ask like us what it meant. And we're like, we don't know. <laughs> they were just a fun It'd be couple. So fun. 
Yeah. And so they had a neon at their event. And I know more mobile bars are putting that kind of in their bars or in the back of their bars as kind of decor, which is fun, I think. Yeah, there's a cool one here. Oh, I forget what it's called. But there's a little caravan bar that says cheers on the sides in a pink neon. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, they've had it for a few years, though, I think. But yeah, the yeah. neons are everywhere this year. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. it work, Again, again, it works with the dry florals and the, the teepees and those fairy tents and all that sort of stuff. It all works in together. And that's every, it seems like everyone's going with the same theme this year, actually. But and okay. for those of us that grew up in the 80s, it's, it's a wonderful <laughs> nod to our upbringing. Yeah, definitely. So um, on wedding trends, I think that's pretty much it. There's well, always been... a, the left of center weird stuff. So we won't talk about no. that. I love that. This has been a joy. And uh, I'm really glad that we got to get you on the podcast. You've been a part of Mobile Bed Pro since the very beginning. I think you're still in the founders group. Yes, I which am. Gets no love. The only person that ever posts in the founders group is Belinda anymore. And I don't even know if she gets a response. Belinda, if you're listening, do you know that there's another group? I'm not sure if you do. <laughs> it's fine if you don't. I think I've invited you, but it's uh, it's fine if you don't. But uh, the founders group, for the, for the most part, I think is is uh, not not a ton of love there anymore. But I think we're all just but, too busy doing what we do, which I love. Yeah, which is which is great. So I don't know of anybody in the founders group that has sold their bar or moved on to something else, right? So like the OGs, like we're they're still at it, uh, which is lovely. That is great. Well, thank you so much for no sharing that with us, Sophie. And uh, we'll, we'll for sure have you back and we'll talk about something else other than trends yeah. next time. Maybe we'll talk about marketing because, I mean, that's like your wheelhouse. Uh, that so, is what I really do. That is my wheelhouse. Yeah, so anyone listening, if you want to tap into some of Sophie's brilliant content on marketing, check out the blog because she's got a ton of articles there. She talks about thriving in spite of competition. I mean, there's just, she talks about Instagram without the likes, which we, we still have likes over here. So, hey. I mean, yeah, we do. I think some people have lost their likes, but I think I still have them. So I'm, I'm guessing- We lost ours probably people. nearly a year ago, but kind of okay with it now. <laughs> Oh, like, like I don't it. care anymore. No, can't remember what life was like with life. <laughs> right. So, so I love it. So, so anyway, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back for anybody who is listening. This is again, Sophie Hamilton with the Bedford bar. She's out of Queensland, Keynes, Queensland, Australia. And uh, you can find her OG bar truck at the Bedford bar on Instagram. And I'm personally waiting with bated breath to see the new have we named the new one do we have yes, a name for the new we one? do it's called black betty and black betty yeah awesome so, um, i'm also waiting with bated breath it's in parts at the moment but we should be picking it up soon <laughs> and it's every weekend i'm like have you heard from the painter have you heard from the painter all right so now we're all going to be awaiting the grand reveal it's very exciting <laughs> it all looks good <laughs> Well, thank you so much, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. All right. And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar-related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. 
And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community, also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>